I ask no favor for my sex. All I ask of our brethren is that they take their feet off our necks. And that little girl was me. Happy Thursday, good people. This your girl, Dr. Matthews, the accountability specialist. And we are missing our co-host. Just know that he's here in spirit, Mr. Wendell King II, our communication and political specialist. So everybody, how y'all doing, man? Look here, it's been a week. I know we it's it's like it's springtime, huh? I'm telling y'all, we was just in the Arctic, what, last week? Now we over here wearing shorts? What kind of shit is this? I'm just saying. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this your girl. I just wanted to um, see how everybody's doing because I'm telling you, we just going through some stuff, y'all. I'm still on Donald Trump tax returns. It's going to be exposed. I'm still on this Ted Cruz going to Cancun uh situation then with the protesters going in front of his house baby the the shade can i live honey can i live where is my shade fan honey when i say it's been a shady week baby the shade oh can i live oh my god <laughs> well on a serious note we have a special guest tonight um he is uh, one of my good friends, uh, he's actually the president of the NAACP Beaumont chapter. Um, he's also was a candidate for Texas U.S. Senate going for John Cornyn's uh, going for John, uh, John Cornyn's seat. Uh, then also he also ran for lieutenant governor um, and was pretty close too. so now he is running for Texas governor. And let me give all the respect to Mr. Michael Cooper. Michael Cooper, come on in here. Hey, sis, how hey, you doing today? How hey. you doing, my brother? Wonderful. <laughs> Thank you all for having me. Thank you for coming because you know what? It's time. And it's about, like our podcast, Truth to Power. Let me make sure everybody understand that this brother right here, I've been in a fight with this brother, man. When I tell you this guy is so transparent, it's what it is. So when you when you have Dr. Matthew saying that, the accountability specialist, <laughs> just let you know that is what that is. So first of all, thank you for coming on to our show. I, I just definitely wanted to give this platform because one, you are an African-American male, you are running for Texas governor. You are the president of the NAACP Beaumont chapter. Then on top of that, you ran for lieutenant governor and almost made it. Then on top of that, you ran for U.S. senator trying to take out Cornyn, but it didn't, you know, I, yeah, I get yeah. it. But yeah, yeah. guess what? It's, hey, all I'm going to say is it's a time for everything. Absolutely. So 
So what's going on, Mr. Coop? Oh, it's all good. Thank you for having me. And you're right. You guys keep it real and you absolutely speak truth. And there is power. There is power in your truth. And you keep it real. Matter of fact, I was telling somebody out there, they said, well, you run for governor. I said, uh, that's a big job. And it's a lot of work to do. I say, but it's about how you surround yourself with, uh, who you surround yourself with. And, and I never uh, liked anyone that was lazy, never liked anyone that was educating themselves all the time. And, and people like yourself and Brother King, y'all do that. And you're on top of, you're on top of the grid. You're on top of, you got your grind on. Uh, you work with the archive. You're always on top of the, um, who, who's ever in power. And you know what I like? You don't get cut us any slack. Just because you know us, you still come in with the tough questions, the hard questions. So hats off to you guys. And thank you for having me. Well, get ready for the tough questions because you know, this is a big position you going for, honey, because this, this is statewide, you know. And the thing is, what, what I really, really, really like about this is that, number one, it's needed because Governor Abbott has clearly showed us that you really don't give a damn about black people. You don't give a damn about nothing. OK. And when I was speaking you know, for the the black community with the state of the state, I meant every word of that. Because yeah. at the end of the day, how how can you put broadband expansion before police brutality? Who does that? I don't give a damn about no internet. My thing is when we, we see this man died eight minutes and 26 seconds, that's what I give a damn about. I give a damn about corrupted police unions. I give a damn about corrupted ass cops. I give a damn about that House Bill 88 that needs to happen to hold police officer uh, police officers accountable. That's my thing. Internet shit, go sit down. But okay, whatever. So I'm sorry. So what are your positions on immigration issues that Texas face? But when it comes to immigration, first of all, we should be number one with the uh, president uh, of Mexico. Uh, we should be conversating with him all the time because we, we're neighbors, we're borderline there. Uh, you know, we, we had a guy that's in politics now. He flew over the wall. They fly over the wall. So you can get over the wall. So we waste money there. We're throwing money away there. Uh, what we need to do is build on relationships. Uh, I was in uh, Matamoros. Uh, when I ran for U.S. Senate, and again, let me just uh, address that because a lot of people ask questions about that. Uh, when I ran for lieutenant governor, we almost won that race. And I say we, not me, because it was a grassroots organization there. And you all was part of that within 1.2%. Uh, we ran for U.S. Senate to keep the name out there. Let's just be transparent. Uh, but at the same time, with still a little bit, uh, well, we weren't on the federal level. And that was federal office. And we got 5% of the vote with 14 people running. And the runoff folks only had 11 and 12 percent of the vote so we still had a good showing but right now we're here to win this thing and we saw the evidence this past week so when it comes to immigration we need to be frontline and center we don't need to have babies in cages we definitely don't want, uh, want our babies to be dying uh there was a young man that just died about a year or so ago in the cage by himself on the floor it was probably dead for a couple hours before anybody even realized it uh when i was going back and forth to mexico to see what was going on. There were people in porta potties trying to use the restroom. They were bathing in the, in the river there. Uh, they were cooking, trying to do the things that they could to get over. But they were waiting and expecting for somebody to see their case in those little tents, I was told. 
But at the same time, there was no one in the tents. And they say the, the, the lawyers and judges wouldn't even be in the tents for weeks to come. So they're sitting there thinking that they, their case is going to be heard on Monday or Tuesday, and it may be another three or four months, and they're going to have to sit out there in, I'm telling you, it was the nastiest, dirty of conditions. And we don't treat dogs like, matter of fact, <laughs> if my two dogs <laughs> were treated like that, they'd leave home. They'd pack up and get out of here. So, that is uh, so sad. Absolutely sad. Absolutely. And, and we should be in the forefront of that. We, we should have the community. And now I just understand that, that, that you have all kind of uh, drug lords, all kind of issues with uh, Mexico. Have a coalition and, and, and make them an alliance. Because watch this. I found out there are a lot of folks in Mexico. They don't want to come over here. They don't even like coming over here. They'll come over here for the jobs and go back home. And they are comfortable where they are. So all of that is just a created. Some people use the word fake news. Well, they were, you know, they were using the word fake news and they were creating the fake news. So then let me ask you this thing, because I noticed you said something about drugs, right? So yeah. what measures are you willing to take when you become governor to address the drug smuggling that comes into Texas? Well, first of all, it's kind of like the insurrection that happened on January 6th. Uh, a lot of times you have a system with the people that's, that's running the uh, program. You know, uh, how in the world are you getting so many drugs into Texas and we're supposed to be uh, watching our borders? I found out a couple of things about the governor's position. One of those things is that he has the veto right and he also can appoint a thousand people in the positions. Well, we just found out with ERCOT that there was three people on the board. They didn't even live in Texas. So we have to inspect what we expect. So right now we have people in position not doing their job. So. I would kind of uh, turn things topsy-turvy just a little bit because if you keep doing the same thing over and over, people are going to know your game. So you have to change some things up. The governor is over the military. There's military police in the state of Texas. So we have to get them involved in some of those things and uh, and work with the board of police. But I believe that there's some collusion going on there. So we, we, we have to check some things out. So this, this is just me thinking, okay? Now, I, I, I've been African-American all my life, 55 years. Uh, so I know a thing or two about a thing or two. Uh, you know, I come out, out of the hood. I, I got camp folks that I might have to deal with if I got into law enforcement. So I know how they think and what they do. And I also know that there's some of them that are cops right now. And there's some good cops and some bad cops. But I want to inspect all cops and hold them accountable. Absolutely. And it starts with the head. It starts with the head. The head of the government yes, and the head of those departments. Yes, it does. So what are your so what are your positions on giving uh, state resources to immigrants? We need to give them everything they need. I believe that they are our lifeblood to our future because of the fact you have a lot of people right now. They don't want to do manual labor anymore. And you got a lot of folks that are educated. Now, we have more folks now that have uh, two year degrees, high school degrees, even four year degrees. And they still employed because of the fact that they feel like they don't want to do a certain type of job. I think if we get those folks that desire to be over here, get them a livable wage. I don't deal with a, a minimum wage because I don't think anybody's worth a minimum. I believe in a maximum wage. So let's get more vocations in school, get more people uh, educated. Everybody's not going to college. So let's get these people over here, make them citizens, tax paying citizens. There's over $6 billion that we can uh, bring in as revenue in taxes. That's money I can use for education because, you know, I'm an education, but I push for teachers pay raises, custodians pay raises, librarian pay raises and all these things. And I also push for uh, new school, uh, new schools, because most of our high schools in our urban areas are dilapidated, 100 years old, have black mold inside them. I don't know about 
uh, in Houston, but here in uh, the Deep South, we have all kind of issues like that after Katrina, Harvey, and all these hurricanes that come through Imelda. And uh, with these issues, now with the freeze out, the blackout, and also the busted pipes, we need all of those resources and money that's there. Well, guess what? We will then have new folks to tax. So let's bring them in here, make them citizens. And that, Texas is a huge state. We have land everywhere, undeveloped. Listen, if they can make Los Angeles, Los Angeles is nothing but a desert. You can go buy land all the way up and down I-10 from San Antonio back to El Paso, nothing but land there. Listen, let's set up tents, camps, whatever we got to go do, wagons, trail, whatever we need to do, and let's create jobs right now using everything. And I wanted to have a, more of a green footprint in Texas than anywhere else. You know, when General Motors, and you know I'm from the automotive field, when General Motors says they're going to make all of their cars hybrid, in the next 15, 10 years, uh, 10 or 15 years, you know we need to start doing things that's more green. And when we do that, we're gonna create jobs and we need to uh, uh, increase the income and, and create maximum wage and not a minimum wage. Right, and see, and then, now let, let's go to this. Sure. Because I like how you how you talked about uh, income and, and minimum wage and maximum wage, where well, this right here is above maximum rate uh wage uh, however it's illegal as hell let's talk about human trafficking what yeah. do you see as the u.s role and by when you being the governor right. with combating human trafficking well, because first of all, this start, 50 billion dollar business it's huge business it is huge business and we have to deal with that in our schools first we have to go with that. We have to have more counselors and we have to have counselors that, that's not worn out. Uh, we're doing, I'm also the head of the president. Uh, I'm the president of NAACP. We just had three Zooms back to back to back dealing with that. My little girl that announced me as governor, uh, as the governor to be. <laughs> uh, she's 15 years old and she won a laptop because she was so inquisitive and asking questions about uh, 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 trafficking, uh, human trafficking. And she didn't realize all of the dangers even on uh, line, uh, when it comes to after school activities, uh, hanging around the schools, she had no clue because she's insulated. I, I, I hate to say it. Uh, she has a father that's on top of it, but there are some young girls who don't have a dad like myself or, 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 or a person like you and your husband and their families. Uh, so absolutely. And we need to use all resources that we can. We need to make sure that, uh, we are available with, uh, with policing uh, for schools, but watch this. I'm careful about uh, school policing. I do not want police officers writing, uh, writing up uh, the students or making right. sure that they're getting tickets because then you create a record for them. So that's not what they're for. They're there to uh, serve and protect. They're not there to create uh, some type of record for them to be on file for the next 15, 20 oh, years. Pretty much to feed the prison system because that's they basically yeah, right. the prison pipeline. And right. then another thing with the human trafficking also that I think that would be really, really good as well is because a lot of your human trafficking victims come out of foster care and they are the main ones that they target. Now they try to make human trafficking a real big issue because now it's going into uh rich america and their children are being human trafficked so well, absolutely yeah this is an overall deal so let me ask you this sure. so 
what is your position as it relates to expanding Texas use of renewable resources? Well, we have to stay ahead of the curve. If we don't, we're going to be left behind. It's kind of like uh, everybody trying to get to Mars and they're looking for new ways to do different things. I'm all for more technology. Uh, I used to be that guy. I didn't grow up with computers, uh, but now I, I have iPhones, I'm getting on, on Zooms and all of these things. I get frustrated when they don't work properly because I need to keep it moving. And, and the more and more we learn about technology and, and get uh, the more, uh, some people call it a Green New Deal. We just need to make sure we up to date with everything that's available for us right now. Matter of fact, I think we still have, the cars can actually be autonomous right now. Uh, but the problem we have is technology of the highways and byways. That's an antiquated way of moving around. I was one of the ones that's a big proponent for the train coming from Houston to Dallas all the way up to Lubbock and El Paso, the, the super train. But it always gets hung up. We have to be on the point. And you know where you can find the technology and, and the wisdom and the knowledge is our African-American students in seventh and eighth grade. I met a young man in Austin and he was telling me that he created some programs for robotics and he placed seven and eight grade kids from what you call section eight housing or the ghetto, as they call it. I hate using any of those phrases, but he put them in there without any knowledge at all with super-minded engineers from around the world. And these kids in the seventh and eighth grade held their own. So I'm, I'm just here. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I'm here today. I believe in think tanks. Uh, there's a school here. I'm a mentor in different schools uh, with NAACP and Roar and Reading and all those programs. And I walked into a room and this lady's a uh, principal from Louisiana. And she had this room and it was quiet and, and, and it had uh, throw pillows and leather seats and couches. And I said, what is this room? She said, oh, it's our think tank room. And we give them pencils and computers. So whatever they, they, they think about when they're in there and, and in a quiet time and meditating, they just write it down. And some of the best ideas come out of those moments. So I'm a proponent for encouraging our kids and, and thinking outside the box in sixth, seventh, eighth grade, uh, introduce technology to them, bring all of the information about Green New Deals, all the information about windmills, all of this stuff. In fact, they were talking about just now, uh, what is it, last week with the freeze. Well, the windmill caused the issues with the uh, with the blackout and all the things. Well, right now we're only use, yeah, that's 0.07% of our energy comes from that source, which is, we really need to use in the summertime because it'll bring us more power. But in the wintertime, we're not even using that resource. So that wasn't that. People are, are creating the narrative and trying to get us to fall for the old okie dokie. But we need to be on a cutting edge because guess what? We're not going to be uh, uh, living uh, this way for much longer. It's going to change. Matter of fact, like I said, General Motors is going to all uh, hybrid cars. So pretty soon, uh, oil and gas, the way we know it, if we don't change, the world's going to change and we're going to be behind. We're going to be behind, but not on my watch. I believe in technology. I believe in knowledge. The Bible says people perish for lack of knowledge. I want to learn as much as there is to learn about renewable energies. Matter of fact, I said when I ran for the uh, United States, I said that's when I first was challenged on that area. I want a more green carbon footprint. Now, watch this. I don't want to get rid of your, your uncle and your cousin. You, listen, you from Beaumont, you got folks from this area also. Uh, they work at ExxonMobil, DuPont, and all that stuff for years. Well, I don't want to lose their jobs, but I want to replace those jobs and put them in a job that's with renewable energies and then create, uh, create other jobs and then train our people so that they can become 
entrepreneurs and be a part of the growth, that's economics. So that's part of my campaign also, economics. So we need to learn how to get into new things. Watch this, people get learning uh, how to get into cannabis. They learn how to buy land because they know that that's coming down the pipe also. When right. it's legalized, folks out there, they're being prepared for it. So if our people are not being prepared for it, and somebody would, would probably challenge me, they say, wait a minute, isn't he a pastor also? Listen, I am a person that is inheriting the land. The Bible tells me the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So that means that everything here on earth belongs to him. So therefore, I can't shy away from not one of the conversations. And I don't care if one of those conversations is about cannabis. If it's going to be regulated and controlled by the state of Texas, I want African-Americans to be on the cutting edge and understand that you need to own land to be a part of it. So get your right on. Now, see, that right there is what's up. So my next thing is, so with the actual winter storm power outage yeah. that, that we dealt with last week, um, can we depend, I guess my question would be, what would you do specifically if you were governor to prevent that from happening? Well, first of all, we have the good old boy program and I grew up with that here in the South. For 30 years, I've been working for a man. Uh, you know, people didn't look like me sitting in the position forever. And that's why I don't have a problem with uh, professional politicians. People at 28, they go get a degree, criminal justice, and something else, go get a law degree. Never even practiced, hadn't even opened up a practice, or got a dad or a stepdad and give them a business and look like a businessman, got on a suit, you know, and then they be become a councilman, mayor, commissioner, and then they want to run for every state seat in the, in the world and never really had a job, never been challenged. For 30 years, I've been challenged. And I understand uh, when, when you've been challenged. So I've been proven, I've been tested and proven. So what I'm saying is, is that even though you don't know everything, you surround yourself about, with people that do know, and then you okay. come back and you learn and you put the thing okay. together. Just like you did some research last week, I saw it. And then I did some research and, and, and we put it together and we say, oh, this is the problem, this is the problem. But you know what I found out the common denominator was? Good old our program for the past 20 years, not against Republicans or Democrats, but Republicans have been running the state of Texas for 20 years. And what I found out, you have to follow the money, chase the money down. Jerry Jones made so much money last week because he still owns so many companies that deal with uh, all the natural gases in the state of Texas. Uh, people don't even know in 1967, he borrowed a million dollars uh, from his dad for the second time because he failed the first time and bought six dilapidated oil wells and they all hit. So that's what made, we made him a multi-millionaire. So matter of fact, when you talk about reparations, I want him to send us back some money here in Texas because he took the money from us and went out and bought my, my team, Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> So, so what I'm saying is for 20 years now, the good old boys have been controlling the state of Texas and the friends are in position. The governor can appoint 1,000 positions and those, some of those positions are archived. And three of those people had to resign because they don't even reside in Texas any longer. They stepped down, I think two days ago, next Thursday, on Tuesday, they stepped down two days ago because they did not even live in the state of Texas anymore. So we have to go back and inspect what we expect. And he's not doing that. And, and he's saying he's going to hold them accountable. But the problem is this, is that he appointed them in those positions. So he has to hold himself accountable for appointing the wrong people in those positions. You have but to see, know what, what I is. thought was interesting. This is what I thought was interesting, too, because that's what that, and that leads to my next question. What I found interesting with that, it was that he wanted to throw the blame game. You know what I mean? He right. wanted to deflect. He wanted to throw it on. 
our mayor, Sylvester Turner, where we provided the receipts that Sylvester Turner, when he was a state rep, stated the issues and it came to pass 10 years later. Then on top of that, you want to turn around and say that they need to resign, but you appointed them. So and, and they deregulated everything in the state of Texas. Y'all guess what? Somebody asked me and say, well, I didn't see uh, Pastor Cooper, uh, Pasnow, uh, Warden doing all that. You know why? Because we didn't want to tell y'all that we're hooked up with Louisiana. Our main station is in Baton Rouge. Well, guess what? Louisiana is regulated by the federal government. So if there was a shortage out here, we had 47 more states to tie into. Us in El Paso are not on the grid of the rest of the right. state of Texas. People don't know that. So therefore, I hate to tell you, my lights didn't go out. We had some folks they rolled off about two hours, but that was it. Because they winterized uh, 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 all of our grids. They got us ready because the federal government regulated it and they told them what they had to do. And the only way I knew that is because of people like yourself start doing homework. And I said, well, let me take a look at this. And I realized that we were with energy out of Louisiana, which in Southeast Texas, it kept us warm. It kept us ready to go. And we didn't have near as many pipes that were freezing because the homes were at a great temperature. So these are things we have to look at. It's not just that it was wrong and, 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 and our friend Brother Abbott is responsible, but what it is is systematic uh, uh, dismantling of, of us, the state of Texas. And, and what, what's wrong with that is that we need to register people to vote. We need to vote. Somebody asked me today on another Zoom and radio show, they said, uh, what are you going to do about the senators that leave in town? What are you going to do about uh, that? What do you think about this? What do you think about? I say, my thing is this, is that I'm not worried about somebody that I didn't put in office. Because I, I didn't vote for either one of them. So what I need people to do that's talking smack at the barber shop, talking a whole lot of smack at the beauty shop, uh, uh, got the little water cooler thing going. Are you registered to vote? Have you registered somebody to vote? Uh, are you a new Stacey Abrams in Harris County, Fort Bend County, Tarrant County, Dallas County, El Paso, Jefferson County, Orange County, Jasper County, where James Byrd Jr. was dragged? Are you registering people to vote? Are you mad enough yet to go and make sure that you go from the pews to the polls on Sunday? In Georgia right now, they're trying to get rid of that. They're trying to get rid of mail-in ballots and stuff like that. So these are the things that we have to do every day. Somebody say, well, uh, well pastor, uh, politician, psychologist, uh, what's next? President of the NAACP, what's next? You need to vote. You need to register people to vote. And we need to vote these people out of office and stop talking about it and stop being mad about it and do something about it. So then let me ask you, let me ask you this then. And I sure. like that how you said that. So can we depend on you to be transparent and avoid political jabs to protect your political image during these times of turmoil? Absolutely. And we have... Uh, Proving that is by coming on your show, first of all, because just because we friends, doesn't mean that you're not going to ask me these kind of questions and tough questions. Matter of fact, I would put you guys up against uh, some folks on MSNBC, CNN, and I'm not trying to make you feel good about what you're doing. I'm just trying to tell you the fact. This is as transparent as it gets. When we're out there in the north end of, uh, of Houston, Texas, which I have never been in before. I've been on 610 and just flown on through because I had... No friends and family in that area. I have them all over that area. But when I went down there and I Googled Kmart Shopping Center, my wife said, that's not a Kmart Shopping Center near us. It's in Louisiana. I said, well, there's one in uh, uh, Houston somewhere. 
And when I got there and I looked at the parking lot, the potholes, I, I need new shocks on my car right now after going through it. How in the world can we govern as, as I don't care if you mayor, commissioners, or, or governor of Texas, what, there has to be some money somewhere to repair those streets and to repair those centers like that. That is a, a, a black eye on all of us. I tell people all the time, I say, if you got a problem with somebody in your neighborhood, this is what, how I was brought up. If it's a little old lady and she's a widow, and she can't cut her grass and she can't afford to pay somebody to do it, we cut it. That's what we do. My brother's retired in the country. Somebody told me, told me the other day, he said, where's your horse and, and, and buggy? I said, well, it's in Woodville with my brother. Matter of fact, he take care of the horses and stuff for us. But you know what he does all day long? For people that's married and not married, he cuts their grass, tend to their home, and take care of the, the, their sheep and their goats and their cows and horses, whatever, until they come back. That's what we need to do in the community. Matter of fact, I said uh, to a friend of mine, Tom Wakely, he ran for governor himself, and he's backing me now and endorsing me. Uh, I said, we need to have our own uh, emergency fund so when we have freezes, we're not waiting for the president to give us FEMA money. We need to have $500 set aside, earmarked aside, kind of like rainy day fund, $11 billion right. up there that nobody can touch. Well, if I can't touch that, and when I get there and I find out I can't touch it, I'm going to be transparent. I'm going to say, hey, Dr. Matthews, let's have a show because I'm here now and I can't touch $11 billion worth of money. So what I want to do is create another fund from cannabis sales and, 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 and the revenue from that uh, or, or talking to uh, Tesla, Toyota, Alexa, General Motors and saying, y'all saving all this money off of taxes? Well, I want some of your profit uh, for each quarter, 5%, 10%. To help our education, to help us out, repairs our repair our neighborhoods and repair our schools, and to make sure that we are beautifying Texas. There was somebody that just was recently president. He said, "America first. When I say Texas first, I'm right on Texas first. And when I come back to the North End of Houston, Texas, I, we got to find some money somewhere. If, if the mayor doesn't have the money, the commission doesn't have the money." We got to stop crying. We have to find the money. The money's there somewhere. If you can pay somebody $888,000 to mismanage and handle our Texas grid, I can spend some of that money somewhere else. And I agree with that. So then let me switch gears real quick. Let's let's get let's talk about health. So preventable deaths of children under 5 have nearly been cut in half since 1990. Yet the budgets for international maternal and child health programs are often targeted for cuts in the appropriations process. So do you support these programs? And if so, how would you ensure funding continues to be a priority? Well, in the state of Texas, as I do my research and, and I have to do the research and, and I've been doing the research for five years after I stepped out of management and it started with Lieutenant Dan when uh, he was mishandling uh, our education system and then I wanted to get rid of him. And, and I said, told my friend, Mike Collier, you have until you decide to retire, but I'm gonna go and stay busy. And the way I stay busy is running for these offices and bringing these type of lights to these issues. And that is in the state of Texas and in the United States, African-American women are number one to die after childbirth. People don't know that. And uh, the other thing is, is that they say that uh, there are more girls than boys uh, when it comes to African-American young boys. No, that's because of poor healthcare. Boys are, are dying uh, at a larger rate than anybody else when they come to birth. The other thing is that we're killing them on the streets too. So uh, our, our cops, we need them to uh, protect and serve. So the number one thing that we need to focus on is education at 67% of the budget in the state of Texas. 
37% of that budget is Medicaid. We need to expand Medicaid in the state of Texas. We need to make sure that our babies are covered and their mothers are covered and they can survive the birth of their child. Okay, so then my next question. Sure. So let's let's look at your your this is your expertise when we talking about education. Yeah. Okay, so although the number of out of school children of primary school age declined globally from a hundred million to 61 million between 2000 and 2015. Progress has stalled since 2007. So do you see the benefits of education programs globally? If so, how do you believe Texas can support this? Well, just like George Bush uh, Jr. took the uh, No Child Left Behind, which was all a, a gimmick to get our kids incarcerated, that, that, that was that was the start of uh, uh, school to pipeline prison, uh, their ministry, not our ministry, but that was the start of it. Uh, the other thing is, is that charter schools is a big issue in Texas. I don't have a problem with gifted and talented schools, but these chartered schools that's watered down and let our kids just get on through. There's some schools right now, if you're behind two years, you can go to uh, some charter school and within six months graduate. Now, how in the world did you learn everything you need to learn within six months? So I have issue with those things. The other things too, is that we need to work global with folks to bring better education. Cause it may be a school in California that can work with us here in Texas better than our own schools here in Texas. But from looking at it, and even though our schools are not that as good as I think they should be, our schools are better than those in Louisiana and a lot of schools yep. there. Yeah, so, so, so yep. that's good, but we need to build from there. Matter of fact, we need to make sure, because I started my kids in school at K3. Cause I didn't have kindergarten. I, I didn't have pre-K and all that stuff. So when I got in first grade, man, I was sitting there looking like a bum log. I was in trouble. We need to make sure that we partner with groups and peoples, uh, people uh, that have uh, pre-K, K3, K4, K5, K6. And I wanna challenge them before fifth grade to speak three different languages. I wanna challenge them to start uh, dealing with math on an early age. A lot of people don't realize, realize math is not a numbers thing, it's a verbal communication. People don't realize math is writing and understanding. Well, the reason why most African-Americans don't do well in math is because we don't speak our own English language as well as we should. Because we didn't start reading and writing until a late time and late age. So I want to globally challenge starting here in Texas, and you're right, this is right up my alley. I want to figure out, you shouldn't have to worry about lying, talking about your husband did or your husband doesn't live with you so you can get your kids in a head start because you can't afford a babysitter. We should, why do we have to do that? Or you change your address because let your uh, children live with your mom and them so they can get, I'm sorry, I'm not supposed to say mom and them. Okay, uh, I'm gonna clean oh, myself no, up. No, this is good. You can say oh, mom and them. Okay, okay, okay. So, so I'm just saying, we have to get, get our kids in, in, in the neighborhood or in a position to get them educated to what we have to lie to do it. Why in the world we should put our children first, education first? Okay, why should somebody say, why are you always talking about education? Because of the fact, when you get our babies educated, they're no longer dependent on a, a, a system. And I tell Republicans, I say, listen, you need to help me and get me voted in. They say, why? I say, because I want to make sure my, my grand boy or my uh, niece or nephew doesn't steal from you when they can't find a job. Because they're going to survive. I, I say, they're just like me. 
They're going to survive. And they either going to survive the right way or they're going to survive by taking your Lexus. I'm trying to tell you. Either way, they're going to survive. They're going to survive by selling a car. I came from North End Beaumont. Nothing good from North End Beaumont. So either I was going to learn how to sell drugs or I was going to learn how to sell a car. And I thank God at the age of 20, I learned how to sell a car so I sell drugs. Yes, indeed. So then, okay, so how do you see faith-based organizations, non-governmental organizations, and the United States government working together to help fight extreme poverty? How can citizens play a role with this? Well, uh, uh, and I'm going to start this off with vote, get registered to vote, and then, okay, we know that. Now let's move on to something that you may have never heard before. Uh, we need to stop talking about separation of church and state. Now, we need to separate church and state when it comes to the, the state coming in and trying to tell the pastors uh, who you can marry, who you can't marry. You know, that should stay separate. But my point, though, is this, that we need to marry some, some dollars and some cents to get the churches in position to help out. Let me give you uh, an example. I don't know if you were working with us, TMO and GLO. I'm with the Southeast Texas Faith Leaders Group. We work with Fort Bend County. Uh, Missouri City and some other areas out there in Houston. And we helped put a moratorium on uh, apartment evictions. Uh, we got to governor's desk and then all of a sudden he got embarrassed because he went to the newspapers and he said, oh yeah, yeah, we're not gonna evict folks. But yet they were still evicting people in Houston. The council said, I'm not doing it anymore. I saw the, 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 the uh, interview on, on the news. And so uh, after he refused, then all of a sudden they paused it for a second again. Well, guess what? The money for those evictions are only given to groups that are nonprofits that have already been doing millions and millions of dollars worth of work. And if you don't have about two hundred fifty to three hundred thousand dollars in your coffers to start giving away money, the government will not give you a million or two million dollars to give to your community because you've never given out two and three million dollars. Hold on a second. We've only been doing business for sixty years, fifty-five years. Since Dr. Martin Luther King's been dead since the 60s, 65, 70. So therefore, we haven't had the chance for like these other churches have been around for 200 years, 250 years, nonprofits, Texas Food Bank and all these other places. They have the money and the resources to start giving away that money. So then, so what I want to do is change that policy. Stop telling me that I have to have 300,000 to get a million. Uh, I, uh, somebody's governor, not my governor, Greg Abbott, sent back $2 billion uh, with funds that could have been used for uh, to help pay utility bills, to help pay your rent, to help pay your mortgage. But because he didn't have the, the facilities to send that money to, he let it sit on the table and he ran out of time, December uh, 31st, 2020. I was one of the ones called him. I had a thousand people call him. We wrote letters and everything else, and we missed the deadline. Matter of fact, I think it was Ron Reynolds. He also was helping us on that. Yes, he was. So, okay. So now, last question. Sure. How can people read more and interact with your campaign? Well, you can go to michaelcooperforgovernor.com. And also, listen, I am so transparent. You can get on Facebook with me and talk. You know that. Listen, you can instant message me. And if you uh, if you catch me sideways, y'all, matter of fact, sometimes, I pause in between questions because I'm driving. I pull off the side of the road if somebody say something I like or if somebody say something I want to fight because I'm going to answer either way. I'm either going to answer you if I like it or I'm going to answer you if I want to fight it. 
because there's a lot of things. I, I had somebody, I was just trying to tell you, I had somebody ask me one time, they said, man, how can you be uh, 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 this guy and that guy? I said, man, let me tell you something. I said, I grew up Baptist. I said, my mother was Catholic. My, my grandmother was Pentecostal. I said, we got some folks that don't even go to church. So I got folks that smoking dope that's around me all the time. I got folks that's packing. I said, so how are you gonna tell me that I'm this or that? It is complicated being a black man growing up in Texas. Y'all see that hat? You see those boots? That's real, huh? You know what? And see, I did a show on Tuesday that talked about covert racism and it talked about white privilege. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. so when I call out a covert racist, then you turn around and want to try to say that I'm racist. Yeah. Don't try to do that reverse stuff here because you have not dealt. See, you have white privilege because if the police stop you yeah. and the police stop the, the person that has the white privilege, it's not the same. Wow. Sis, hold on. You're blowing my mind. I'm glad we on cut. I'm going to jump in here for just a second. My father, five foot six, only weighed 145 pounds, soaking wet, drove 18 wheelers, 48 statewide. He was a country boy from East Texas. We went to rodeo in China. You know those, uh, we had Zodicos and everything else. You know about that yeah. stuff. Right? Yeah. All yeah, right. yeah. Ames, Texas, China, Cheeks, known. We, wherever it was, we went there. So you know I'm country for real, for real right? I already know the stuff. I already know the places. <laughs> but, but watch this though. But my dad made sure when he drove his trucks in 1965, 72, 78, in Cut-and-Shoot, Texas, in uh, Alabama, in Mississippi, guess what he put on his head? A big old cowboy hat, 10-gallon hat. You know why he put that hat on his head? Because there was only a handful of black men driving 18-wheelers across the country at that time period. They didn't have window tents. So what they saw was a silhouette of a Western hat and they never pulled him over for 40 years. Not one ticket. So he had to disguise himself. Come oh, on, say, now see, this is my problem <laughs> because it's like, don't sit over here and tell me because I've identified that you are a COVID racist. What I find the COVID racist is the most dangerous one. Because what they do is that their ideals right. is racist. That's right. That's right. You know, well, they hide behind the sheets. We can do this all night. You better tell me when to stop. I'm just telling. <laughs> listen, our our uh, elected vice president, she went toe to toe with uh, Joe Biden at the time. Uh, he was the president. Uh, no, no, he's running for president. And he, she said something that caught my attention because we, we're close in age. And she said in California, she was bused or forced to go to other schools way across town. We had to get up an extra two hours early because our, our school was 45 minutes away. But if you stopping and picking up kids along the way, that's a two hour bus drive to get across town to pass up a school that's five minutes from you. And they bust us across town. Listen, I know we had to do it, but watch this. The first school that they did that with, I forget where it is in California, it's the most divided racist area there is to this day because it was forced on them. Watch this. I don't want to force you to do nothing. Listen, I went to Vidal, Texas, Loverton, Texas. You know about those places. I went there out of love. In 1992, they said that they would kill a black man walking down Main Street in Vidal, Texas if they caught him there. Well, I went to the park where they burned the KKK hats, burned the KKK crosses and everything else, 
and talked about George Floyd, and we went there with love. When I left there, they said, Michael Cooper for mayor of Vider, Texas. Well, I'm going back and tell them, I'm not running for mayor of Vider, but I am running for governor of Texas, and I need your vote. Watch this. I didn't get everybody to tell, tell me that, but I got more people with love than anything else. So what I want is that. I want people to do it because they want to. I don't want people to do it because I'm forcing them to do it. Because I don't want you if you don't want me either. Well, that's what you did. That's some change agent stuff. Because, baby, <laughs> I wouldn't go to damn vital. Damn that shit. If I need gas, baby, <laughs> I'm going to going till I get the orange. Okay? Listen, talk, stop and talk to my friend Cal Rod Carroll. Uh, we've been He's a chief of police. He'll hook you up. I don't give a damn. I bet you I won't. <laughs> hey, they, they change him one person at a time. I'm telling you. Yeah, listen, well, baby, just let listen. me know when they all change. Then we can go talk. Well, you're right. Listen, I wouldn't trust all the Aryan nation that was over there protecting the statue when I was there. But there were a couple of them. You know what they said? As they were strapped, just like our second new path, uh, Black Panthers who were strapped Sunday when we were out there in Houston. These guys were strapped, and they were standing across there looking at us, and I had to find out on a video. It was like 385,000 hits on I ABC. I saw that. Did you I see saw it? That. Yes, I did. It? And yes. I was like, what the hell, Michael Cooper doing in Vita? Oh, <laughs> hell no. I say, oh, no, bro. Oh, I'm telling you. Listen, no. but you know what the Aryan Nation said? They said, if somebody did that to one of my Aryan brothers, I'd be protesting too. He said, y'all do what you have to do. We only came to make sure that one of you guys, because you may have one guy that's not even with y'all. This is on, on, on recording. I'm going to have to find and keep a, a clip of it. Aryan Nation skin had his head shaved with his uh, AK-47 on. He said, I'll do the same thing. He said, more power to you. Fist bump the guy that was with us across the street there. I'm just trying to tell you, we have to continue to win hearts over one by one. There's one out of 10 right there. So that's what I need. But I don't want to force anything. I want it because watch this. I'm okay with people being who they are. I kind of like Trump for revealing the folks that I used to eat with, hang out with. See, and, I, with. and you know what? I said that because my yeah. thing is this right here. Yeah. Don't do that undercover stuff. Yeah. See who you are. I'm if good you with that. Racist, if you racist. Be racist so I know how to deal with you according. So I know how to deal with you. That's right. You know That's what I'm right. saying? Don't be running around here like you cool with me, but you call me a nigga when I walk Come out on. that door. Come on. Well, or in my house, and I, I just uh, cooked for you some of the best brisket you ever had. Girl, I can smoke some brisket. You know what I'm saying? So, But my wife's there with a co-worker of 10 years, and she happened to be Caucasian, and she saw my curly hair, son, ran her fingers through his hair. You know what they do. And say, oh, he's gorgeous. He's pretty. He's this. And my wife said, oh yeah, you, uh, uh, your, your daughter and my son would make some pretty babies. She said, oh no, we don't marry outside our race. Covert racist. Boom. I'm just saying. Well, let me um give me your campaign information again, guys. Michael Cooper got to give you out of campaign information again. Give it to us, Mike. Michael Cooper for GovernorTexas.com. Go there. We're up and live. But most of all, hey, man. Can you spell it for us? Can you yeah. spell it for us as well, too? M 
M-I-C-H-A-E-L-C-O-O-P-E-R. Just like Confunction, just like the best number six basketball player ever played for the L.A. Lakers. I'm just here to tell you, Michael Cooper, for F-O-R, uh, governor uh, of Texas.com. You cannot miss us. Uh, matter of fact, just Google Michael Cooper. It'll pop up. It's coming up number one. I'm telling you, man. And uh, go on Facebook. Like us. Uh, right now, I'm going to have to get somebody to help me out, Candace. You're going to have to help me, sis, to make a public page where they can just like it because I'm already 5,000 maxed out on five different pages. So uh, people <laughs> mad at me. I'm, I'm telling you right now. People mad at me. They say, man, you, you didn't even accept my friendship. I said, I'm maxed out. I have to unfriend somebody. And every time I unfriend somebody, they get mad at me. Hey, so well, I'm not doing that. My problems because those are problems I be having, too. <laughs> <laughs> I need some help. Help brother <laughs> well, thank brother. you so much, Mike, for coming on. This was a refreshing uh, interview. It's always been a pleasure, my brother, because you know we're in the fight together, man. And I'm telling you, I wish you well on this campaign trail. And God, peace, and goodwill. Thank you, hey, hey, and congratulations to you and your team. Teamwork makes the dream work. Y'all had an awesome uh, event this past Saturday, making sure the George Floyd Act gets passed. We met his brother out there, met the niece out there. I'm telling you, and Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee absolutely is our friend to the friends. And so we thank her for taking out her time and doing what she did. She didn't have to. So hats off to you. Keep on pushing, sister. Much love. Thank you. Bye, Mike. I ask no favor for my sex. All I ask of our brethren is that they take their feet off our necks. And that little girl was me. <laughs> <laughs>